In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. This is the Feast of All Saints. All Saints is a fixed feast like Christmas, so it's always November 1st, which means that it's uh, rarely on a Sunday. Uh, So when it is on a Sunday, it's a really wonderful thing for us to be able to to fully celebrate that feast. Tomorrow is the Feast of the Faithfully Departed, and so we're including all of those as well, those who have gone before us in the faith. Uh, For the All Saints lessons, we're going back in St. Matthew's Gospel to chapter 5, so taking a break from our uh, tour through to the end of Matthew's Gospel. Matthew 5 is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. You remember that the first couple of chapters are the birth narrative, and then Jesus goes and is baptized by uh, St. John the Baptist in the River Jordan. He goes out into the wilderness and uh, is uh, in the the wilderness and, and then comes out and gathers his disciples. That's chapters 4 in Matthew's Gospel. So at chapter 5, he's gathered uh, the disciples, and now you read that he sits down and begins to teach them. This is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and the Sermon on the Mount takes several chapters, and it's the foundational teaching of Jesus. It sets up what comes later in the Gospel. Really, we can't remember the portions we've been reading the past couple of weeks, the parables and his interaction with the uh, chief priests and elders in Jerusalem without this bedrock foundation uh, teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. And really we can't understand the Sermon on the Mount without the Beatitudes. This is the beginning and he lays the foundation even more so of the Sermon with the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are seemingly impossible to follow. Uh, They are this high standard. And because they're such a high standard, you'll hear many Christians say, well, nobody's perfect, only Christ is perfect, so uh, we just don't even need to really pay too much attention to them, because who can do that? And they kind of get passed over as an ethical teaching, as a line of of, uh, standard for us in the church, and that's definitely to our detriment. Uh, We have to be uh, of a keen understanding and focus upon the Beatitudes if we're going to understand anything that comes after it. Uh, if you've been at Jesus the Good Shepherd for a while, you know that I'm a great fan of St. Augustine, and particularly of his teaching on the Sermon of the Mount and how he uh, relates it to the Lord's Prayer and to the fruits of the Spirit uh, from the prophet Isaiah. And St. Augustine teaches us a little bit about how it is that we can interpret Scripture. Uh, The church traditionally has had several ways to interpret Scripture. The first way is just to look at the simple surface understanding. So uh, we know that he gathers disciples. We know that he goes and he teaches. And so we look at that basic foundational teaching of of the reading of Scripture. Uh, But then we can have a a little bit more of of an allegorical or an analogical teaching, uh, a little bit more interpretation. The rule of thumb on that is, we can't make it disagree with what uh, that simple, straightforward reading is, and we can't have multiple interpretations that disagree with each other or with any part of Scripture. So it has to all be uh, in accordance with uh, all the teachings of Scripture. Having said that, what St. Augustine does is he counts the number of Beatitudes here, and he says that there are seven. 
Seven, as you know, is a very important number. It's that complete number of creation, of heaven plus earth. And to get to seven, we have to have three plus four. So three is the number of heaven. It's the holy number, right? The number of the Holy Trinity. And then we have four, which is the number of creation, of the created world. This is the four of the points of the compass or the ancient elements, if you've read the ancient philosophers. And so uh, four is creation. So we have heaven plus earth, three plus four to make seven, this completeness. And so again, with the Beatitudes, they're also separated in three and four. So the first three Beatitudes are the conditions of the heart. They're not things that we do. It's the way that we are. It's the way that we live. So what's the condition of our heart need to be uh, in order for us to enter into the kingdom of heaven? So if you look with me at St. Matthew's Gospel and you're reading here, you'll see in chapter 5 on verse 3, the first one is that we have to be poor in spirit. To be poor in spirit is to say, I need God. Right? To be poor in spirit means to say, I'm not enough by myself. The world around us is always telling us, you're enough, you're good enough, you're smart enough. The Beatitudes is saying, no you're not. You're not. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You can't do it without God. You need His help. You have a deficit. Right? You're a creature. And so you have to be poor. You have to recognize that poverty. What the world teaches is to be proud. And pride says, I don't need help. I can do it all. I'm I'm good enough the way that I am. And it keeps us from getting the help of God. This is the sin against the Holy Spirit to say, I don't need you. And in saying, I don't need you, we don't get that forgiveness and we don't get that benefit of God's mercy and His will. So the first thing we have to do is to say, I'm not enough, I need God. That's to be poor in spirit. The second one in verse 4 is to say uh, that we have to be in mourning. To be in mourning is to say there's a distance between me and God and that is sad. That's a problem. To be in mourning is to say, here's God, here's His righteousness, and here I am, and there's a big distance there, and I mourn that. I'm sad for that. And we can't just mourn it in ourselves. We have to be willing to mourn it in other people. So instead of being tempted to say, oh, look at that guy. Boy, did he mess up. He really got what he deserved. We have to be willing to mourn and to also be sad that other people are as well distant from God. So we mourn our sins and we mourn the sins of others, the fallenness of others. Verse 5 is to be meek. So this is the last of those conditions of the heart. So our heart is poor, knowing that we're not enough without God, mourning that distance between us and God, and then finally being meek. Maybe the rest of you don't have this problem, but for me, anytime I get criticized or people point out my deficits, the first thing that I want to do is defend myself. Am I the only one who does that? Hey, there was a reason for that, right? I didn't have what I needed. People weren't helping me. This was the, you know, you would do it too, right? The first thing we do is we defend ourselves. The Lord is saying, accept that criticism if it's true. And say, you're right. I messed up. And I need to do better. You're right, I'm not good enough. You're right, I fell short. So to be meek isn't to be a pushover. It's not to let people take advantage of us. It's not to be weak. Our strength is found in our meekness and our acceptance of God's will and correction. So we allow ourselves to be corrected without defense. So if we're poor, recognizing our need for God, if we're mourning that distance, and if we're uh, not 
giving excuse but accepting that correction so that we can repent, our heart now is in a condition to receive the Holy Spirit and to be able to start to act. So these first three are the conditions of the heart. Now we're ready to start doing things, right? The first of our actions, the ways of living, are that we need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's in verse 6. We, it's not enough to just do what God tells us to do. We've got to want to do it. It seems kind of ridiculous even to go on, doesn't it? Who can get past that? It's not just enough that we do what God wants us to do. We have to want to do what He wants us to do. To be hungry is to say, I can't live without food. Hunger is a survival instinct. Our survival depends upon living righteously. We will not live an eternal life without the righteousness of God. We have to hunger and thirst for it as we do for survival. The next thing is that we have to be merciful. And this is a really great one, right? Because this is um, uh, forgive those our trespasses as we forgive those as we forgive those who trespass against us, right? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If we're not merciful, we can't ask for mercy. It's kind of a silly thing because people who aren't merciful don't tend to ask for it. Unless they're completely clueless, which... Right? Sometimes we are. Mercy requires a confession of wrongdoing. You can't go to a judge and say, be merciful on me without saying, yes, I committed the crime. To ask for mercy in a court of law requires saying, yes, I did it, and please be merciful on me. So for us to be merciful, we have to say, yes, I committed this sin, Yes, I understand the consequence. Be merciful to me anyways. And we have to practice that with each other. Next in verse 8 is to be pure in heart. This may be my favorite uh, because of uh, Kierkegaard's beautiful uh, treatise. Uh, Purity of heart is to will one thing, to will the will of God. Purity of heart is to will one thing, to will the will of God. That means that our will and God's will are united. And so it's pure because it's totally the will of God. It's not, oh, a little bit of this over here and oh, a little bit of that over there, right? We get, we see shiny things. We see, oh, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could do that. Maybe I could do a little bit of those things. We get distracted by the world. We get distracted by other people's expectations of us. We get distracted by other people's understandings of who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be focused directly upon the will of God and His focus for our lives. His instructions for our living in righteousness. And when we're united, we have purity of heart. And then finally, peacemakers. Which again, the world has this understanding of peace that's compromise, go along to get along. That's not the peace of God. His peace comes with a sword. So to be in peace, when we offer the peace to one another, before Holy Communion, we're about to confess our sins. And as part of the confession of sin, we offer the peace to one another. When we're doing that, we're saying, I wronged you. Are we okay? 
I made a mistake. Are we okay? I apologize for mistreating you. Are we okay? Can I be okay with you? Can we be okay with one another? Will you forgive me? I forgive you. I want to be okay with you. And we don't just do that here. We're supposed to do that in the world. We're supposed to be going to one another and saying, I want to forget what's past, and I want to focus on how I can be right with you now. So we're peacemakers. And then we read all that, and if you're like me, you say, <laughs> who, can, who can do all that? And, and what does that look like? Because sometimes these become kind of theoretical concepts, and it's hard to figure out, how do I live like that? And that's the importance of the saints. That's the importance of the lives of the saints, because they show us their examples for us of how to live according to the will of Christ. And the writer of Ecclesiasticus, this Jesus bin Sirach, who lives in Jerusalem in the 2nd century B.C., He's teaching at the university there in Jerusalem and all these Jews are coming from around the world and they're not understanding what it means to be Jewish. They don't understand how does it mean to be Jewish when uh, we don't have a kingdom, we don't have a king, we don't have our own borders and laws. And he says to be Jewish means to follow the ways of those who have gone before us, those righteous ones. And in the, the following chapter here, he's going to name, he's going to talk about Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and Rachel and Moses. And he's going to name all the prophets and he's going to talk about their lives and righteousness. And the writer here, uh, Ben Sirach, uh, tells us that there's basically two kinds of righteous people that live this way. You'll notice if you look with me, he talks about two kinds of people. He talks about famous saints and saints that nobody knows. And he talks about their great glory. The great glory that is the, the majesty of God from the beginning. So that's that purity of, of God. That's that purity of the will. Right? They give counsel and wisdom. They live peaceably. They're men of mercy. They have righteous deeds. So you'll notice he mentions all the Beatitudes. He says all those who follow the Beatitudes. And he says there's two kinds. There's the famous kind that everybody knows. And then there's the kind that nobody knows. Right? Some of them have not left a name. They have no memorial. No one knows that they lived. No one knows that they are born. Right? So here's the famous saints. We've got them up here. Not all of them, but we've got a lot of them up here on the walls. These are the saints that everybody knows about. And then here's the ones that people have forgotten. Here's the ones who only their families remember. But we look to their lives and we see in all the saints the sacrifices that they made for God and the sufferings that they had, the difficulties that they had in their lives and the way that doing right came with consequences in their lives. We should be able to look at each of their lives and say, yeah, they suffered for what was right. They did what was hard because it was right. And in that way, we learn how to live according to God's will. Men of mercy. Men of righteous deeds. And we know that we're not separated from them. In the Revelation to St. John, we're learning that the church militant, that's us, the church who's in the tribulation, and the church expectant, the church who's died and gone to heaven are united. It's not two churches. 
It's one church. We're not one of these millennialist churches that believes the tribulation is sometime in the future. We're a traditional church. We know the tribulation is now. We know that you can't read the Acts of the Apostles without realizing this is the tribulation. You can't read the life of St. Augustine or the life of the great saints of the church and realize this is the tribulation. You can't talk to Christians in Hong Kong or Christians in North Korea or Christians in Cuba and not know we are in the tribulation. The church is suffering now for the gospel. And we are the same church of those who have gone before, those who have gone before us, who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. What does that mean? That means that they took up their cross and they followed Christ. That's a baptism of blood. The greatest baptism is the baptism of the martyrs, where they've been washed in the blood of the Lamb according to their righteous deeds. They've been willing to suffer and die for Him. And when we're one, when we're united, we are one church, worshiping Christ and recognizing our unity is everlasting. So, you'll notice in Matthew's Gospel, if you were reading along, hey, Father Howard, aren't there eight? What about verse 10? Isn't this what we read in the Revelation of St. John? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Not for those who actually did evil, but those who were falsely accused. This is the result of doing those first seven. If we follow the first seven Beatitudes, the result is... Persecution. Yay! We get to be persecuted. We get to be treated and reviled. We have to have all kinds of evil things uttered against us. And harder than that, what does he say? Rejoice and be glad. Acts chapter 5. The apostles are brought before the council and beaten. They return and they say, Celebrate with us. Celebrate with us. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't rejoice for persecution. You're too weak, you're too selfish. You're too small. But the Holy Spirit can do it from within you. The Holy Spirit can change our hearts and can change our minds and can show us the will of God so that we truly hunger and thirst for His righteousness and we even rejoice and are glad for our sufferings with our Savior, our King and our God.